Hi, I'm Jason Hoy, lead pastor of Cedar Crest Bible Fellowship Church. I just wanted to thank you for listening to our sermons. We are located in Allentown, Pennsylvania, and our mission is to glorify the triune God by exalting Him, edifying and equipping His church, and evangelizing the world with His gospel. Visit cedarcrest.church to learn more about who we are and what we believe. Merry Christmas, everybody. On the way in this morning, I told my family that I was going to preach the same message. And they said, what, Daddy? Why are you going to do that? And then I heard my oldest say, well, Daddy, you believe in working smarter (laughs) and not harder. But what I want to do for you tonight is to recap what we looked at this morning because it is such an incredible text about who the Lord Jesus Christ is and what He has done. And then I want to continue on in Philippians chapter 2 where we see the Lord Jesus descending from heaven to earth in what we call His humiliation, but it did not end there. It did not end there. Because He was raised from the dead. And He was exalted back to heaven where He is right now, seated at the right hand of God the Father. And so let me read it for you. It comes from Philippians chapter 2. And this comes from the Apostle Paul, who was an anti-Christian, by the way, until the Lord showed up, revealed Himself, and saved him in power. So Paul wrote, he wrote this in chapter 2. He says, Have this mind among yourselves, which is yours in Christ Jesus, writing to the Philippian church. Christ Jesus who, though He was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped, but He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form, He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore God has highly exalted Him and bestowed on Him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Let's pray together. Father, open our eyes tonight to see Jesus for who He really is. What He did 2,000 years ago should absolutely blow our minds and cause great rejoicing. For those who know Him, and I would pray for anybody in here that doesn't know Him personally, trusted in Him, I pray that You would do that work of new birth, spiritual awakening in their hearts and their minds so that they would call on Him and and begin a new life. Would you do that work? Do those miracles all over the room, I pray. And most of all, may you be exalted. May you be glorified as we watch your Son descend and then ascend and be exalted above all things and over every name. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this morning... We really focused on chapter 2, verses 5 through 8, where we see the Apostle Paul writing that Jesus 
is God. He's God. And Jesus took on the form of a man. And Jesus took on the form of a servant. And Jesus became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. This is incredible. I don't know if you realize this or not, but do, do you realize what the Apostle Paul is saying with these words? He's saying that there is a God. And he's saying that in the person of the Lord Jesus Christ is God Himself. And before He became a human man, He was in the form of God. That's what it says right there. He was in the form of God. Form means that Jesus is the pre-existent, eternal Son of God who was there always. Always there in the beginning. That's what we read in John 1.1 in His Gospel. In the beginning was the Word. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And in the beginning was the Word. But He wasn't just there in the beginning. He was with God. Meaning, face to face, toward God for all of eternity. Don't get confused by the word was. Like it was just kind of a past tense kind of a thing at one time, moment of time. He was God. Know what it means? For all time. He has existed this way. So He was there in the beginning. And He was there with God. And then John goes on to say He was God. He was there in the beginning. And then He goes on to talk about creation. Which takes us back to Genesis 1. In the beginning, God created and so we have the Son of God with God the Father creating the universe. This is what Paul's referring to. He was in the form of God. And like I said, don't be confused by that word was. Like He was that, but He became something else. The word was in the original Greek is present tense. It means to continue on in what you were. So Jesus never took this form off. Do you know what this means? This means Jesus is God. And then Paul goes on to say that Jesus is equal with God as He is considering or counting equality with God. We're going to get into what He is considering and what He is counting. But He's considering this whole idea that He is equal with God. And that's what the Bible teaches everywhere. Even Jesus when He was here, He would say things like, if you see Me, you've seen the Father. The Father and I are one. This is why the religious leaders of the day wanted to kill Him. For blasphemy, you, a mere man, are claiming to be equal with God. So it brings up the trilemma, if you've ever heard of C.S. Lewis. He says, when you consider Jesus, you need to consider whether He's a liar and saying such crazy, outlandish things and claiming these things. He's a liar or He's an absolute lunatic. To call Himself God or He is the Lord. So we have Paul writing, Jesus was in the form of God. And He did not count equality with God because He was equal with God. But what does He mean when He says He did not count equality with God of a thing to be grasped? Now some people, false teachers over the years, 
they started to teach that he was grasping for equality with God. He's grasping for it. He wasn't equal, and he wanted to be equal with God. So he was grasping to be like God. That's dead wrong. It's not what Paul's saying here. He already told us that Jesus is God, that Jesus is equal with God. And so, what is Jesus counting or considering when He's counting equality with God something that He does not want to hang on to or grasp? That's what it means. Do you know what it means? It means that He's fixing His mind. Think of this. The glorious Lord Jesus, the pre-incarnate Son of God, through whom the Father made the world The pre-incarnate Jesus, the one who walked in the garden. The one who called Himself the great I Am of the burning bush. This is the one who is in heaven fixing His mind on verse 7. And as He fixes His mind on verse 7 to become a servant and to become a man, He does not count equality with God a thing to be held on to. That's what it means. He's not going to hold on to His full rights as the Son of God in heaven. I said to you this morning, He could have told the Father, there's no way. There's no way. I am leaving my status here in heaven being worshipped, being with you forever and ever and taking on the form of a servant and a man. I'm way too precious. I am God. I'm not going to become a man and spill my precious blood for rebels. And so, Jesus did not have that mentality. This is, this is so glorious. Our Lord and Savior did not hold on to heaven. He left heaven. That's how He made Himself nothing, the Bible says. Now a lot of people got all fouled up with that too. They said, oh my word, He made Himself nothing. It could be translated as empty yourself. And so the false teachers say, in His becoming a man and a servant, He emptied Himself of divinity. That's not true. That's not true. That's not what Paul is saying again. He's saying, no, He was in the form of God and He always will be in the form of God. He will always be equal with God, but He's making Himself nothing, not by subtracting His deity, but adding on to His deity. And what do we see Him adding on to His deity? Making Himself a servant. A servant. A slave. That's what the word, that's what the word means. He's taking on fully Just like He is in the form of God. Fully. It's the same idea. Form. Form of God. Form of a slave. He's taken on the form, the mentality, the nature of a slave. This is incredible. The God of the universe, gang, becoming a slave. And what does that look like? That looks like being born in likeness of men. God! This is God Almighty! He's infinite! He's eternal, all-powerful, all-knowing. The One who made all things and made you took on the form of a slave by taking on the form of a man and being born in the likeness of man. And that doesn't mean, again, what some false teachers say, oh, He just looked like a man. No! He was made like His brothers in every way, the Bible says. Every way. So normal, in fact, I told you this morning that people were confused with Him. 
They were confused. He just looked so normal like you and I. Which is why he's sleeping in the boat. I told you this account from the biblical narrative. He's sleeping in the boat because he's dog tired. He's fully human. And then a storm comes upon him and the disciples in the boat. And he's tired. He's sleeping and they wake him up. And what does he do? He gets up and he rebukes the wind and the waves because he's fully God. But he looks so normal like a man. His disciples say, what sort of man is this that even the wind and the waves obey him? It's incredible. God Almighty. God Almighty. God Almighty took on flesh and blood in the person of Jesus Christ. Why did He do this? It says that He emptied Himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men, and being found in human form. He humbled Himself. Man, if you want a, a hammer blow of what this text is all about, this is it. God humbled Himself. He humbled Himself. He left heaven. He took on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men. And yet He goes even lower still. Look at what the Apostle Paul says with me. Or hear what he says. He was found in human form. But He humbled Himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. He became obedient, gang. To who? We talked about it this morning. To who? He's God. He's fully God. He said at one point, while He was here, He said, I lay my life down on my own accord. Nobody owns me except my Father. I do my Father's will. But that doesn't mean He's inferior to the Father. He's submissive to the Father in His humanity. And He became obedient. And listen to me, friends. Again, He could have withdrawn from His mission. He could have. When the going got tough, it's in the garden. They're coming to arrest Him. He's wrestling with the thought of the cross, which is what Paul's going to allude to here in a moment. He's wrestling. Father, not my will, but Your will be done. Is there any other way? Let this cup pass from me. And yet He went through with it. He became obedient all the way to the end. Even death on a cross. Do you know it's the most humiliating and excruciating way to be executed in the history of our world? The cross. It was considered a curse in the Old Testament to be hanged on a tree. And Jesus became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Why? Why is, why is Paul emphasizing this with a big exclamation mark? Even death on a cross. I'll tell you why. Because Jesus became a curse for you. For all of us in this room, He became a curse. What do I mean? Here's what I mean. We've all sinned and fall short of the glory of God. The wages of sin is death. Without blood, there's no forgiveness of sin. We deserve to be punished by God every second of every day because we have all sinned. 
We've all lusted. We've all lied. We've all dishonored mom and dad. And one sin keeps us out of heaven. And one sin is committing cosmic treason against the Creator of the universe. One. And yet, God so loved the world. He so loved us that He sent His one and only Son into the world to die on a cross for us. Here's what we read 700 years prior to Jesus' coming. It was like Jesus' job description. The Lord, Isaiah 53, laid our iniquity on Him. On Him. And it was the will of the Lord to crush Him and pay for our sins. Isn't that good news? For our sins. Did you come in here with a dirty conscience? Feeling like you're going to be struck by lightning? I'm walking into a church. Oh my, if they only knew who I was. You should come and have coffee with me so I can tell you who I was before Christ saved me. If He can save me, and if He can save the Apostle Paul who killed Christians, He can save you. And He did 2,000 years ago when He went to that cross And He didn't need your approval. He went. 2,000 years ago. And God laid on Him the iniquity of us all. Every single sin, past, present, future. He laid it on Jesus and He punished Jesus in our place. He poured out His wrath, His anger onto Jesus. And Jesus absorbed it all. That's why He hung on the cross. And when He breathed His last breath, He said, It is finished. This is what our God did for us, gang. This is what He did. But that's not the end of the story. That's not the end of the story. God the Father did something next in this text. In verse 9, it says, Therefore, I love that. You all know what I say about therefore. It's therefore a reason. Pointing back to His obedience, even death on the cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted Him talking about His ascension. He's not even talking about His resurrection. That came before His ascension. That means God raised Jesus from the dead. He was declared to be the Son of God in power by His resurrection, gang. This is God's approval. This is God saying, this is My Son. How do you know? I will raise Him from the dead. It also means another thing. You might have read in your Bibles about Jesus being raised for our justification. How do you know that God accepted Jesus' sacrifice for your sins? How do you know that? Let me tell you how you know that. Because He raised Jesus. He raised Jesus from the dead. And He said to Him, I accept your sacrifice for My people's sins, Son. Let Me prove it to them. I'm going to raise you from the dead. I accept it. And I accept them to take away their sins. My wrath is gone. And I now fully forgive them. This is the greatest news you could ever hear in your life. And so Jesus rises from the grave. Rises from the grave. And there's all kinds of evidence. In the Bible, we read about 500 people seeing the risen Christ. And then we're told He was exalted above all things. That word means super exalted. Super. Jesus is way over everything and everybody. I love this. 
He highly exalted Him, bestowed on Him the name that is above every name. He doesn't tell us that name, but a lot of people think it was Yahweh, which is the covenant name of God in the Old Testament. But we can pretty much get that inkling because He's going to be called Lord very soon. And Paul goes on to say that the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. How many of you have seen the billboard on Route 22 heading eastward? Have you seen Santa Claus bowing the knee before the Lord Jesus in the manger? And they cite this verse. Dang, Jesus is highly exalted above all things and over every name. I don't care who you are. LeBron James, Kim Jong-un who canceled Christmas. Did you hear about that? He will bow the knee. Everyone will bow the knee. In heaven, whether it's angels, they're bowing their knee, they're going to bow their knee, or redeemed saints, or on the earth. His believers are bowing the knee right now. But there will come a day when everyone will bow the knee. And so my challenge to you is, you better believe now. You better give Him your life now. Because if you don't, and you rebel, and you reject, you will still bow the knee. But you will bow in terror. And under the earth, the devil and the demons will bow the knee in the end. And He will judge them to the lake of fire. Jesus Christ is the King he is the Lord. And the, the word Lord here in the Greek is the equivalent of the Hebrew word for God in the Old Testament. Jesus Christ is Lord. And so my challenge to you tonight is this. What are you going to do with Him? What are you going to do with Him? If you haven't bowed the knee yet, I would implore you to bow the knee. He loves you. He loved you so much He left heaven to come and to pay the price for your sins. Put your trust in Him. Don't count on works, gang. One sin's going to keep you out of heaven. Run to Him. Run to Him. Give your life to Him. Trust in Him. He is the Lord. Let's pray together. Father, we come before You. Thank You for this text. Oh, we worship Your one and only Son. What an incredible incredible event the greatest event ever to happen in the history of this world is to think about the one who made the world took on flesh and blood and became obedient he was obedient his entire life to you but he didn't stop before the cross he went to the cross to die for us to serve and to save us from our sins that's why he was named jesus yahweh saves and so thank You, Lord. Help us to meditate on this wonderful, glorious news this Christmas season. Oh, God. And now, even now, we worship You, King Jesus. You were raised and You ascended and You were exalted to the right hand of God the Father where You rule and You reign over all things. And one day You will split the sky in two and You will come back and every knee in heaven and on the earth and under the earth will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. And all God's people said, Amen. Thanks for listening. 
you've already placed your faith in Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, we hope these messages strengthen your walk with Him. If you don't have a church, we'd encourage you to get involved in one or even come and check out Cedar Crest. But if you're listening and haven't submitted to Christ as Lord of your life, we hope after listening you're convicted to turn from your sin and place your trust in Him so that you may be saved. You can reach out to us at info at cedarcrest.church and we'd love to tell you about Him. God bless you and I pray that you live to make much of Christ.